the building itself does not obviously really meet safety standards. You can have the best uh, fire team in place. If the building itself does not really meet the standards, you've got a challenge already. And if you look at most of the buildings in this inner city, I can take you within the five kilometer radius right now. I can tell you, you're going to find more than 50% of the buildings actually not really meeting the requirement. So that is why on the 1st of December 2016, 100 days of my, uh, uh, my administration, I made a commitment that we cannot let the situation continue. Exactly the issue we are raising. And uh, we've started that process. Us as the city of Johannesburg, we've already passed uh, our inner city rejuvenation plan, passed by a council. We are now taking back uh, these buildings. I'm, I'm sure you are, you are aware, us as a new administration, uh, at the beginning of this year, we actually released a, a statement about the procurement of, uh, of uh, fast uh, engines, which were procured illegally uh, uh, and fraudulently, and we had to really stop uh, the, the, the contract. We managed, uh, fortunately, four, four, four or five months ago, you remember we received four of the, uh, of the, en uh, of the engines already. Unfortunately, we're a new administration. Four months into, in, 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 uh, in, in uh, sorry, two years into into this government, so there's just no way that you can expect us to really deal with all these challenges overnight. It's interesting because uh, I'm sure you, some of you accompanied our team from uh, development planning, uh, where we've uh, obviously through working through the courts to actually demolish some of the buildings uh, that do not comply. It's a process where we had to, to really work uh, to with, uh, through the courts to make sure that we get court orders to be able to really demolish these buildings. It's just, this is not just this one and the one that we've, uh, we've demolished. And I'm sure you saw the statement that we issued afterwards that uh, this is the beginning us as a new administration to ensure that uh, compliance is no longer negotiable. And we're going to expect you as the media to deal with, uh, to bear with us. Because when I made the statement on the 1st of December, you remember the, how you people insulted me and you thought uh, I was mad. When I was saying to, uh, to South Africa and the city of Johannesburg that we're sitting on a time bomb, let us stop it. And you called me names, you insulted me. Now look at what is happening. So I hope you're going to work with us as a new administration as we demolish uh, these buildings, making sure that people uh, actually, uh, everyone who built, uh, uh, put up a building in the city of Johannesburg do it within the legislative framework. To give us further clarity and insight into this, perhaps, uh, let's uh, speak to Dr. Philip DeForce, who is a fire engineer. Dr. DeForce, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Dr. DeFoss, first and foremost, you know, looking at this tragedy as it played out yesterday, how frequently do we see tragedies such as these happen? Unfortunately, in South Africa, they're becoming more and more frequent for various reasons, uh, mostly because the buildings, as stated before, do not really comply with our national standards. Um, and also, I think there is a lack of adequate funding for our firefighting operations and fire prevention officers that actually control buildings and inspect buildings to see that they do comply with the minimum standards. So what are the regulations? You know, uh, whose responsibility is it uh, to make sure that buildings are compliant and how often should these buildings be inspected? Well, first of all, from a legal point of view, it is always the owner of the building that is responsible for the building to be compliant for whatever occupancy is accommodated in that building. Unless that uh, 
responsibility is delegated to a professional engineer. It's always responsibility to the owner. Now, the regulations were promulgated in 1977. It's uh, the National Building Regulations and Standards Act, and that has produced various codes of practice and standards, most notably for the fire safety. It is the SANS, South African National Standard 10400, Part T. Now, Part T, the previous edition, which is called SAVS 0400 Part T, um, that was first uh, become became uh, compulsory to comply with in 1987. Now, there's been subsequent revisions to that code to accommodate international best practices. But in essence, from 1987, all buildings in South Africa have to comply with this standard or this code. Older buildings that were constructed before 1987, obviously there's no statutory requirement for them to comply with that code, but they did comply with previous local authority bylaws and the standard building regulations. That was based on uh, Act, uh, Standards Act of 1962. Dr. DeVos, but whose yeah. responsibility is it to police that? Well, it's, it's, it's supposed to be the fire brigade that's supposed to, to do inspections, regular inspections, if they have adequate personnel to go to all buildings, industrial and, and office buildings and everything, specifically for buildings that can be regarded as a higher risk, tall buildings, industrial buildings with, with uh, high fire loads, uh, and so on. And you see now in the news that the fire had started yesterday on the 23rd floor, and that now in, in the meantime spread down to the 16th floor, which mm. is uh, strange because fires always tend to spread upwards, upwards. but it means that there are also service shafts probably that continue from one floor to the other that had not been closed at the, as they're supposed to be closed and they con- contain combustibles and now the fire has spread downwards to the 16th floor and the 10th floor apparently. I want to come back to this because it all sounds like a great deal of perhaps incompetence going on in trying to contain this place once it has broken out. But just uh, to uh, get past the point of, you know, the safety and uh, the regulations that uh, need to be complied with here. So you said it's the responsibility of the fire department. So how often should they be inspecting these buildings? Well, you know, I say the fire department are people that are qualified to see what the risk level is in a building, um, but it's always responsible of the owner to see that they comply with regulations. So, in essence, really the owner should invite the fire brigade and say, please inspect my building and see that it does comply with the minimum standards. And, of course, we also have other role players like insurance, the insurance fraternity, that also to some extent can make demands on the building owner to enforce them to comply with the regulations. But the the fire brigade are the most qualified fire prevention officers to inspect these buildings. You can also imagine that there are thousands of buildings in a city like Johannesburg and uh, and that probably don't have adequate personnel to inspect all buildings uh, on a yearly basis, which would be a fantastic solution if they had. So, a government uh, in this regard, uh, their responsibility is limited, is what you are saying? No, no. Government, if government owns the building, 
uh, or they rent a building from another owner, that owner is always responsible to see that the building complies. And there are really five criteria for the building to comply with. The most essential, of course, is human evacuation. And then there are others like detection and in uh, rules to mitigate the spread of the fire and the spread of smoke. And in this case, very important too is to allow access and facilities for the fire brigade to fight the fire. In, in, you know, we, we have rules for portable extinguishers and hose reels for the first responders. That's basically the occupants of the building themselves to try and suppress the fire. But if they fail to do that, they obviously evacuate and the fire brigade comes in and they use hydrants. A tall building like this has to have hydrants on every level. And, and uh, Dr. DeVos, just uh, can I please ask you to just hold right there? Please don't go away because I have uh, the Johannesburg Emergency Services spokesperson, Nana Hadebe, on the line now. So I just want to ask her a few questions because she needs to go. So uh, please just hold the line for me. Um, Ms. Hadebe, thanks so much for speaking to us once again. Uh, thank you, and uh, I'll send into the listeners. So um, yesterday, you know, when we spoke, uh, we thought the fire was under control. So can you tell us what happened then? Uh, yes, we also thought that the fire was under control. But as we moved into the 23rd building, uh, on the 21st floor, we found that there was a whole lot of, um, the fire load was too high. The material, which is papers, boxes of condoms and furniture, uh, it, it, the papers kept on reigniting, so it moved down the shaft through to the 16th floor. So, so how did that happen, and why did it happen? Uh, it reignited because it's paper. You can only put out paper as much. That's why now we're removing all the paper so that we make sure that it does not reignite. So, as it stands today, what are the challenges that you are facing? Uh, at this moment, there are no challenges. We have plus 40 firefighters. Ekuruleni has also came in to assist. Uh, the Owartambo International Airport Fire Department has sent us home uh, so that we are able to protect the other floors that are not uh, affected. And with regard to uh, hydrants and uh, all the other uh, uh, things that need to be in place for you to actually contain this fire, are you saying the building is compliant in that regard and you are able to access those? Uh, at the moment, yes, uh, Joba Quata has assisted, assisted us with the hydrants and uh, the, uh, the power from the hydrants, uh, the treasure is good. So we are good. We are doing firefighting from inside and we have other teams protecting the other floors from the inside and the outside. So just going back to the uh, uh, tragedy yesterday and uh, three firefighters lost their lives. Uh, there was at some point one that was unaccounted for. Can you just give us the latest with regard to that? Uh, we have eight of our firefighters that were taken to hospital, and one was treated for, uh, for exhaustion. And uh, they are still in hospital. They've been kept them there overnight. We have two that are still uh, in a critical condition, and uh, the number still stays. We have just lost three members, and um, we are working very hard to ensure that today is a safe uh, firefighting environment, and we do not lose any of our members. So everybody is accounted for at this point? Everybody is accounted for. We are also being in contact with the departments that are housed in this building, and they have confirmed that they did a count of their employees. 
Well, thanks for the update. And that was uh, Johannesburg Emergency Services spokesperson Nana Hadebe. We are in conversation still with fire engineer Dr. Philip DeFoss. Dr. DeFoss, thank you so much uh, for staying on the line there for us. Uh, you heard what Nana Hadebe had to say there. Um, I took it from what you were saying about the hydrants and that needing to be in place. And she says all is in place. So uh, it makes it even more curious as to why they've been struggling to basically contain this fire. It's a fire in a building is a very complex phenomenon, of course, you know, so it's not always just a simple case of entering the emergency stairs and for firefighters to protect their hoses and enter the stair and start suppressing the fire, especially if a building like this, what has happened now, where the fire had straight from the 23rd floor, obviously upwards or also downwards. Today, it's already at the 16th floor. So there are challenges beyond what is normal co-compliant building in this building specifically, it seems. And uh, just a final one with regard to uh, these buildings. Uh, Are the owners, are they uh, compelled, are they forced by law to adhere to these safety standards? Well, for all buildings constructed after 1987, they have to comply with the national building regulations through the standards and the codes that are applicable. Buildings before that, like I say, they used to comply with older bylaws and so on. But in essence, all buildings, and specifically for fire safety because of the human impact, has to comply with some standards, even buildings that are 40, 50 years old. Um, and, And the standards are there for exactly this reason, to mitigate human loss and property, loss of property um, in the event of fire. Yeah, but it would seem as though with nobody, you know, actually looking into uh, this particular matter, that is uh, checking on uh, the safety aspect on a regular basis, there does seem to be a loophole. And uh, this is how buildings get into a state where they actually are, you know, safety hazards in the end. Yes, you know, I heard the previous speaker also mention from the fire department that there was a very high fire load. Um, you know, offices, office environments sometimes carry significant fire loads because of books and documents and papers and so on. Um, and, and if you have a very high fire load, obviously that, that increases the rate of fire spread um, beyond what is expected perhaps by the fire brigade for a normal office environment. And that can also overcome the suppression uh, attempt. So uh, in these buildings, all old buildings and government buildings specifically should be assessed for their actual risk. And and an evaluation should be made to see how it compares with occupancy safety, occupancy health, uh, occupational and health uh, act, and also the national building regulations with regards to fire safety.